several scientists who are lifelong experiencers and you know that's not rare in the topic that we're talking about they told me that they've been contacted both by members of the intelligence community and also by what they call time travel agents who have told them that they are crucial to the future of mankind and crucial to the future of development of UAP technology. Welcome back, everyone. I am here again with my good friend, Frank Milburn. Frank, it is lovely to see you, my friend, on this fine, gorgeous day. So today, as I referenced, at least during the Dr. Masters interview, I had no idea you had done a little bit of work on this future humans hypothesis and also what their motivations might be, i.e. either averting or deliberately causing a catastrophe, depending on which faction. So in your experience, has there been any chatter over the past several decades in the intelligence community about this sort of hypothesis? Brother, thank you for having me on back. You know, again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. And I just want to give a big shout out to my godson, Cameron, who's now going through field training at West Point. His dad and I went through the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst together. And Cameron is the fifth generation of his family, but the first American, because the four previous were all British officers. He's the first American officer born to my brother, who I was at Sandhurst with, to go through West Point. So I want to give a big shout out to him. So he's going through Beast Barracks right now as we speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going through the beasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, right, his, we'll, dad we'll ca- were, his, his dad yeah. and I were at Sandhurst together and together with my mate Brad. You can see like I've got, look, I've got this parachute regiment T-shirt, which I just got sent by Brad from Australia. Brad, Malcolm and I, we were all ex-para and we all went to office training together. And then afterwards, like 20 years later, Malcolm married uh, an American lady. And he settled in America. And now his son is the fifth generation of his family to join the army. But he's the first American officer. The previous four were British officers. He's the first American officer and he was accepted to West Point. And I'm very, very proud of him. That's fantastic. Yeah, I think they can only answer questions in four ways right now. I think it's yes, sir. No, sir. No excuse, sir. And I don't know, sir. Anything else? (laughs) From what I've heard, it's much more bullshit than, than when, when I went through officer training. It's much more bullshit at West Point. It's almost like a lords of discipline, right? Uh, yeah, well, that was based on the Citadel. Not the Citadel. Was it the Citadel? The Citadel, or, yeah. Yes, that was yeah, lords of discipline. Yeah, that's right. But it's, I, I'm curious to see it probably kinder and gentler now than they were in uh, your day and, and my day. But ask them, when you see them, ask them, ask Cameron, how's the cow? I think the answer is she walks, she talks. She's full of chalk. The lacteal fluid of the female member of the bovine species is highly prolific to the nth degree. I, I am a nerd. So I almost went to West Point. I had an appointment there. And then I got into Stanford and I kind of, if you've ever been to Stanford, you kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I started memorizing all that crap well in advance because, you know, I worry about those things. All right. Cameron, good luck. Godspeed. And just remember those things. He's a fit lad. He was a very fit lad when he joined. He better uh, be. Sure, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, he was a very fit lad when he joined. And his dad already trained him up on like M16, M4. 
so he was already well ahead in like you know the weapons in the on the fitness and you know i'm sure he's going to do very very well but uh, i applaud him and also i live vicariously through him thinking back to my own days as a cadet anyway that's it yeah the long gray line all right yeah, well anyway long gray line. okay so this hypothesis a future human hypothesis what's the kind of the chatter that you heard as far back as you can remember what's the theory okay well before i say anything a disclaimer i do not represent anything you know i'm not saying that this is truth i cannot say this is truth i don't know i wasn't there all i can say is the people that i spoke to were and are highly knowledgeable and that they believe it to be true okay so that's my disclaimer i don't okay. claim that it's true okay so what is it that they're saying well i heard from both several scientists in the community the community of those who've worked on classified uap programs and also intelligence officials that a popular hypothesis is the future human hypothesis Mm-hmm. which says that there are competing groups that are basically operating in our timeline they have technology they've come from the future to the past one principal group is grays who are from maybe i don't know hundreds of years thousands of years into the future i'm not an expert on the hominid evolution like dr michael masters but they've come back in time because they want to make sure that the catastrophe happens and there are other future humans who look like us and you would not be able to differentiate them if you were sitting across from a table from them and they have come back to make sure that the catastrophe does not happen now if you look at the catastrophe it's quite plausible if you look at solar flares asteroid impacts some kind of depolarization of the major poles right in terms of magnetism okay uh, a popular pandemic there's all kinds of catastrophes that could happen to us and also as well like you know looking at nuclear war mhm which is not so crazy now if you look at uh, you know russia and ukraine so as you know lim buchanan who was a remote viewer did a study back in the late 90s that saw a series of man-made natural disasters that would occur between 2020 and 2040 but he stressed man-made natural disasters and he almost nearly ruled out a nuclear war some of the things that he was talking about were like earthquake weapons weather weapons and as you know the russians have the poseidon right which if you were to detonate something it's a it's a torpedo nuclear powered torpedo very fast very hard to intercept if you were to detonate that off the coast of the east coast you could cause a tsunami that would take out much of the eastern seaboards and there'd be nuclear radiation underwater but it wouldn't really be on the surface and then i mean obviously we had the pandemic which you know if you just follow the breadcrumbs on that it seems obvious to me that that was an accidental lab leak okay now you you talk about grays and you talk about another faction are they from similar periods in the future like a number of years or you know completely different timelines one's more advanced than the other or are they kind of relatively evenly matched 
Well, let me just first address the potential catastrophic events, right? So I noted them mm-hmm. down. Solar flare, a polar geomagnetic reversal event, asteroid near miss, asteroid impact, something causes like a global electromagnetic pulse that sets humankind back the Stone Age. So you imagine like everything that you know about human culture is just sent back to Stone Age. Nothing works. Environmental catastrophes, yeah, well, we're not that far away from that. There's a study that now that says that the global ocean currents between 2025 and 2090 will be so fucked completely that north of the, the equator will become incredibly cold, south of the equator will become incredibly hot. And I think we're really seeing that in terms of like all the wildfires. And sorry, what was the second part of the, uh, of the question? What kind of timeline they're both from? Which is more advanced between the humans and the the greys? I would assume from what I've been told, and again, I say, you know, disclaimer, this is just what I've been told. I don't say it's real. It's what I've been told. The greys, as Dr. Michael Master says, they are us from the future. But from what scientists have told me, Uh, They have adapted to live in after a catastrophe in a low oxygen environment. They have some weird neural neuropathy. Their eyes are bigger. Their skin is white because they're not exposed to sun. We're talking about like, you know, a permanent winter for like like subterranean centuries. Yeah, exactly. And the ones who are against them are future humans who have maybe mastered UAP and time travel technology from within 50 to 100 years in the future. And they are coming back to make sure the catastrophe does not happen. Now, how do these scientists acquire this information? Have they spoken to these different factions or interrogated, a little bit more coercive speaking? What's the provenance behind that? Well, it's going to sound absolutely crazy. And again, Look, you were told, you were told this, right? You were told this. Again, disclaimer, I did not say that this is true. What I'm saying is this is what I was told and they believed it. Several scientists who are lifelong experiencers, and, you know, that's not rare in the topic that we're talking about. They told me that they've been contacted both by members of the intelligence community and also by what they call time travel agents who have told them that they are crucial to the future of mankind and crucial to the future of development of UAP technology. And if you look at what Dr. Jack Sarfati says, he claims that in the 1950s, he was contacted by an advanced AI, an advanced intelligence, totally autonomous AI that told him that he had been selected along with others to provide a solution to this upcoming problem. Now, what about the other side, the greys? How do we know what their intentions are? Well, I don't, mate. All I can say is what I've been told, that they are us from the future, that they are basically screwed up, and that because they have an intrinsic need to exist, they have to make sure the cataclysm happens. I mean, look, it's not hard to imagine the cataclysm, right? So if you look at, like, you know, America versus China, Taiwan, or the potential uh, release of nukes in the conflict over Ukraine. It's not hard to imagine. I'm not saying that this is real. 
Right. I'm not saying uh, that this is a valid argument. All I'm saying is this is what I've been told by people, very intelligent people who believe this to be true. I don't know what to believe because I can't validate it. Yeah, I look. Uh, there are so many different theories about what's going on here that without solid evidence, right? It, all it is right now is speculation, but it's still interesting to hear sort of the things that people are speculating. And and why keep it secret? Is that what's driving people to keep this whole disclosure thing off the books? Or is that part of it? In other words, if we were to disclose this to a larger number of people, it might make it more likely to happen? I don't know exactly, but I think that might be a part behind why there hasn't been full disclosure and there won't be full disclosure because, as Nick Pope has said, and Nick Pope is a friend of mine, right? He worked at uh, UKMOD. He's a comrade of mine, and I like and respect Nick Pope. But he said, like, you know, the, the what if, maybe there is uh, some huge, deep, dark secret behind disclosure that you can't possibly relate or disclose the whole human population because it might be so deep and dark and so scary that it would basically, you know, push people into despair. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather just know. I'd rather just know as well. Yeah. Okay, so is there a timeline for when this event's supposed to happen? Like I, I mentioned Lynn Buchanan, there's others too, like Stefan Schwartz, who also have a similar timeline. But what's the timeline that these scientists have related to you? I was told this was like last year. I was told between five and seven years. Okay. So like 2027 to yeah. 2029, something like that. But this is where it gets even more weird. I was told by one scientist who was backed up by another two scientists. They told me that there are what they call temporal agents coming from the future, future humans, but who look like us, maybe 60 years or 100 years into the future before the cataclysm has happened. And they are coming back, trying to change the timeline. Okay, but also what I've been told is that, and this sounds completely crazy, there are multiple timelines operating. And mm -hmm. they talked about a timeline war on multiple dimensions. Yeah, I mean, if you try to extrapolate, if you assume that, you know, every quark spins one way or another, right? And that creates a whole separate, it's the Hugh Everett multiverse theory, right? So it's almost like if you have these forking paths, yeah, you have an, I don't know about an infinite number of outcomes, but you have multiple outcomes. And if you extrapolate, if you start to understand how time works, if you develop a UAP, right? If you look at Dr. Sarfati's mathematics, right? You can't really have a gravity machine without having a time machine, right? Uh, Dr. Jack Sarfati, in my first paper, in terms of you know, time travel, he actually talks about a temporal weapon that uh, Tic Tac may have, which can affect the circuits of nuclear ballistic missiles in terms of affecting them through temporal distortions. That's actually a, a fascinating aspect of uh, Dr. Sabathi's work. Well, 
just to add to that, because that's actually that's really happened. So if you look at the 1967 Malmstrom incident, and I interviewed Bob Salas, and I went through a deep dive on this. I've interviewed so, him as well, yeah. Yeah, so as you know, they didn't damage the missile. What they did was, whatever they did affected the guidance couplers, I think is what he called it. Which are basically where all the it's like a mux, like where all the where all the signals come in from the missile to indicate where it is in the sky, and is the one circuit that's critical to making sure that those missiles reach target. Yeah, right? because so, in those days, in those days, it was inertial navigation system that was mm-hmm. used because they didn't have GPS, satellite GPS in those days, and. When Boeing ran a bench test to try to replicate what happened, that's the only way they could get it to replicate. But they, you know, you actually had to be inside the missile to do it. So whatever technology those craft had, it was, you know, obviously much more advanced because it was able to penetrate 60 feet underground with triple rad hardened cabling and do it simultaneously to 10 independent Minuteman 1 missiles that were not connected. They're each and also, independent uh, systems. Yeah, and also overhead, you know, UAP sighting. Bob Salas told me that there was one member of the, the security force who was so shit scared that he tried to climb the perimeter fence and was like cut to fuck, cut to ribbons, yeah. you know. Yeah, he cut his, cut his hands pretty badly. And anyway, so... Yeah, I could definitely see them having this sort of technology. So the question is, what can the average, if if what you've been told is true, again, the disclaimer, what can the average person do to prepare for whatever's coming? If it comes. Well, I don't think the average person is involved. I think it will be a select few from American and allied intelligence services who've been appropriately cleared, and they would be the ones who are operating against or with these timeline operators. And I've been told that these timeline operators, the malign ones, they will attempt to secure support or they will work with, you know, like terrorist groups, malign religious groups, you know, doomsday cults who believe in the inevitability of the destruction of the human race. Wow. And these temporal agents, how long have they been operating inside? You know, we're not inside, but on, on Earth. Is it just recent or is it throughout our history? And by I say throughout our history, I mean like going all the way back to ancient times and things like that. What I've been told is that these various groups, they've been leapfrogging themselves back. So one will leapfrog themselves back to, you know, 20 years before Another one will leapfrog themselves back to 30 years before. But right. what I've been told because once they change one timeline and it ripples out, in order to fix that, you have to go back further and, and then prevent that. And then the other side will come in, ripple something else. And yeah, it gets wonderfully. And also, I've been told they're operating, yeah. and this is like, again, disclaimer I've been told they're operating on multiple timelines. Yeah, it's very. Like, uh, it's absolutely fucking nuts. Yeah, it's like infinite recursion. It's not a four-dimensional chessboard. It's probably like a seventy-thousand-dimensional 
chessboard where I mean, just the thinking about the math that would be involved, because you'd have to know enough about how time works, know enough about how to get timelines to converge, right? Because you're not just trying to change one timeline, because that would be infinitely impossible, because you'd have to change an infinite number. So you'd have to change things in a way that multiple timelines would converge toward one event and only one event. And so uh, that's why you probably need advanced AI, because that's the only way you're going to and also, let's not forget, it. it's not just about going from like, a, you know, A to B in time, because if you're from like, you know, 2060 in the future and you want to go back to 1980 in the past, yeah, the Earth has already gone around the sun many times, right? Yep. So it's about your place in space and time. It's not just it's not just linear. It's not just right. like, uh, it's not just, uh, you know, 2060 to 1980. Right. You have you to know have where to the planet is. Right. You have to find where the planet is. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll end up in the vacuum of space when you. Exactly. You to... Wow. And how long have we scientists been aware of this issue? I don't know how long they're aware of it, but they are scientists who've worked on. They didn't tell me what programs they worked on, but they'd worked for DOD, DARPA, other agencies. But, you know, these are highly brilliant people. They're not, like, mentally unstable. And also, they're lifelong experiences. And they fully believe. Uh, I talked to one scientist who claims to have repeat episodes of where they go back in history or they have, you know, timeline shifts. Wow. And these people I know because I was in a meeting with them, with members of the American intelligence community, and I had a meeting with these scientists, which I was invited to, and these people are doing contracts for the US government. And they claim to have, one of them claims to have had timeline shifts, and they all claim to be experiences. So these scientists that you spoke to, what kind of backgrounds did they have? I imagine a bunch of them would be physicists, but are there like anthropologists and like philosophers? Like, how does the government attack this problem? The backgrounds were uh, physics and chemistry, and they'd worked on uh, classified programs for DOD and also worked in the white world. Okay. And for folks who don't know anything about the intelligence world, the white world just means open source above board publishing papers and things like that, as opposed to the black world, right? But I vetted them and their parents, their antecedents, as, as we can say, are beyond reproach. I did deep background checks on all of them. And is there any reason, you said most of them were experiencers, were there any commonalities about these folks that, like, what common characteristics they might have other than having these experiences? Well, apart from that they were, you know, all exceptionally brilliant, they'd seen similar things that uh, had been reported at Skinwalker Ranch. One of them had had, uh, you know, time travel experiences. But, you know, this is all like way that's out what, there. That's what they told but, you. But, you know, but these people, the scientists that I spoke to, I know they're legit because I was invited a uh, year before last to a classified meeting between members of the U.S. intelligence community and these scientists. So I know that they are held in the highest regard by the American intelligence community. So just on that point, I believe there are news reports about 
a big intelligence gathering at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base about a year ago. I don't know if it's a year ago, if it was in 2021, but is that related to this or was that something separate? I don't know about that. I wasn't there, so I can't say. Okay. All right. Now, are these scientists working with these temporal agents or are these temporal agents operating independently? Or Well, it could be both, but... What I was told is that these scientists were approached by temporal agents and they were told, you will play a specific part in the future of humanity, just as uh, Dr. Jack Sarfati was in the 1950s. That's what I was yes. told. And, and that's what struck the chord with me. It was very uh, a very direct parallel with what Dr. Jack Sarfati has said in public. And this is his 1953 call from this robotic voice that told him to go outside and, and look up in the sky. And then he didn't see anything, but that doesn't mean that he didn't see something and then had his memory altered or whatever. And for folks who don't know who Dr. Jack Serfati is, he has developed a theory for how these UAPs work. I won't get too much into it, but it involves gravity, anti-gravity, how gravity and anti-gravity interface with electric fields, magnetic fields, what sorts of materials. Metamaterials. Yeah, metamaterials that have to be, to my understanding, and Dr. Sarfati will let me know if I get any of it wrong, but you have to have a sentient AI manipulating it because you have to change some of the, or alter some of the characteristics of these metamaterials while the craft is in flight. And it's basically a metamaterials assembled at the atomic level that have uh, high permittivity in the electric field, but low permeability for the magnetic field. So I'll stop there because if I say anything else, I'll get it wrong. Can I just say that I've talked to both Dr. Jack Sarfati and Dr. Eric Davis, right, in 2020. And we were talking about, you know, the future human hypothesis, which is, you know, the, you know, the, the, the topic of, of, of this podcast. And I asked Dr. Eric Davis, do, do you subscribe to this? And he said, no, I don't. And but uh, Dr. Jack Sarfati does. Also, Dr. Mike Masters does. Mm -hmm. What I can surmise from what uh, Dr. Eric Davis said to me, you know, he said, and also in his emails that I published in my first paper, you know, these craft are off-world. But whether that means, you know, off-world in terms of space or off-world in terms of another timeline or another dimension, I don't know. So here's a question for you. Why do these things always, like, not always, but why do these things crash so frequently? Look, I was in the, I was in the UK military. You have craft that crash. You have aircraft that crash. I quoted Colonel John Alexander in my first paper. And he said, well, you know, how could these craft crash when they've gone through like the, the far reaches of space? So they don't have like the same kind of technology of, you know, like ground avoidance that modern day cars and aircraft have. But if you looked at what, uh, you know, Grosh said, it's like, well, you know, you have a, you know, a proportion of missions which will fail. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, is their flight time is much longer than it would appear from our observation point, right? Because if they're bending gravity, right? 
they're going to be in the air for much longer periods of time than it would appear to us, which means there's just more mean time to failure. But it could also be, you know, if what these scientists are alleging is true, that there's this temporal conflict, it could be that they're being shot down by someone, right? And who that someone is, I would have no idea. Do these scientists have like a mathematics to help track all these timelines? Like, have they talked about any of that kind of stuff? I wasn't privy to that. I did ask one scientist. I said, how would one shoot down, uh, you know, a Tic Tac, a UAP? And I was told, I can't divulge that to you because if I did, then you would know how to shoot down an advanced U.S. military experimental craft. Well, I mean, it's an EM pulse, isn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah, I would assume that they have, from a military perspective, a warp field around your craft. So mm -hmm. somehow you have to disrupt that warp field. So that would be with, uh, you know, an EMP. And then you can use, uh, you know, rail guns or cannon or missile or some other kind of projectile weapon. You probably wouldn't have to, because if you disrupt the electric field and the magnetic field of that craft, it's just going to rick it, right? It's just going to drop. So, you know, who knows? Okay, so so you said that like the kind of the timeline is between 2027, 2029, at least for now, because as you noted earlier, it's constantly shifting. But that 2027 timeline has come up multiple times. You've had that with Chris Bledsoe. He said like kind of late 2026, early 2027. You had John Ramirez. He's also said that there was some sort of event in 2027. And then you even had these trans channelers, which I haven't interviewed anybody on that sort of topic. So I, I have no idea. But there's a, I think his name is uh, Daryl Anka, kind of channels somebody called Bashir. Claims that yeah, they I'm, I'm deeply suspicious of anybody saying that they're channeling. Yeah, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm kind of, I haven't really. I'll be honest with you, it sounds like fucking bullshit to me. It it does. It certainly does. But I don't. Until I if kind somebody of... like uh, you know Russell Targ, you know somebody or you know uh, Hal Puttoff, who has an established re reputation in remote viewing, then you know I will take you seriously. But like if uh, you know it, it's some other fucking you know kind of like random individual going, oh yeah, I've been in contact with like some random extraterrestrial being, I don't really take it seriously. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly ways to like to. to to vet some of these things. Like if they tell you things that no one else could know and they do it consistently, then you, you listen a little bit more carefully. But if they- well, 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 my criteria is if you are saying these things and claiming these things, if you've had like uh, Russell Targ and Pal Puttoff, lots of money thrown at you, you know, through the decades, then okay, I'll take you seriously. But somebody outside of American classified programs, uh, no, I won't take you seriously. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. And Bledsoe, he's, I mean, he's, they locked him down for like 15 years. Like, you know, don't, don't, don't go out there, but they de he's definitely tied to classified programs. So regardless, it seems like there's something in the collective zeitgeist that's coming in 2026, 2027, all the way out to 2029, whether or yeah, not. But it's not hard to imagine though, is it? I mean, you know, if you look at like in Russia, in Ukraine or uh, China in Taiwan. It's not hard to imagine, right? 
that there's a coming apocalypse. It's really not hard to imagine. No, in fact, if you look at China's official policy, their aim is to have Taiwan integrated by 2049. Yeah. So it's not crazy. And then I look at kind of, you know, what we were, we were talking briefly about this. I'm not going to get too much into it. But if, you know, you look at kind of our military, you know, I, I have confidence. But if you look at our politicians on both sides, like, we don't really have adult supervision. Let's just be honest. So just to reiterate your point, you can see, you can see a lot of this stuff, you know, could happen in multiple ways. You could have kind of the loose nuke thing. You could have the climate catastrophe, the, the core a broken of the arrow. arrow. Yeah. 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 An accidental launch. You could also have, I think the, the core of the earth, like stop spinning for a little bit it's spinning again but so you know there's like stuff that we don't even understand about how the world works like we don't know everything right so like what does that mean what does that imply what if the earth's magnetic field reverses right well i talk about a polar geo geomagnetic reversal event asteroid near miss asteroid yeah. impact global emp environmental catastrophe pandemic nukes and also Sarfati, yeah, talking about, as I said before, circuits being temporarily affected. What, what exactly does that mean, circuits being temporarily affected? Well, he's saying that the intelligence behind the Tic Tac have the ability to affect circuits of nuclear missiles oh, by yeah, affecting yeah, yeah. them in a temporal sense. Yeah, putting them off target, like... Yeah, if you mess up with the timing, right, it's going to, it'll mess up the circuits. And there's a lot of other horrific things you could do with gravity weapons. We're living in interesting times, unfortunately. Now, are the greys communicating with it? Like, the the, the greys try to, according to these scientists, try to lie to our leaders at some point to try to get them to do some dangerous things? Or is there no contact whatsoever? May I don't know. I don't know. This is all like, you know, supposition, what I've been told by people. But I'm told there are multiple, what they call temporal agents, working on different timelines. And these are from people who are highly intelligent, highly credible within the scientific and intelligence communities of the United States. Wow. All right, well got about three years we'll find out one way or the other what happens so any last words about this topic that you'd want to relate to the audience no not really i'm not a doom monger it's just these are things that i've been told by people and yeah i get freaked out as much as anybody else but hold on to your ball sack and i don't get too freaked out about it now is this the dominant theory, or is it because you mentioned Eric Davis doesn't subscribe to it, but others do? Is this the dominant theory, or is this just one of, of among many different theories? It's one amongst many different theories. You know, yeah. Eric Davis doesn't subscribe to it. Dr. Jack Safati does. Dr. Mike Masters does. You know, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert physicist. I'm not even a physicist. I'm not an expert in, you know, hominid evolution like Dr. Mike Masters. 
you know, take your pick. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. And it's good to know that that's not the only theory. There are many theories, but it's also, you know, as a warning to people, it could be true. So, you know, hug your family, enjoy the next three years, and hopefully we'll be okay. And buy a a 7.62 weapon system. Yeah, because those rounds, those rounds go through anything and they will stop anything. That is correct. Although they do jam all well, not necessarily. If you're using an AK, it will jam. No, actually, it won't. Uh, no, I'm not talking jam. about AK. I'm talking about a you know NATO standard. Okay. All right. All right, my friend. As always, it is a great pleasure talking to you. You too, brother. If you enjoyed this video, please click on like, subscribe and the notification button so that you're alerted anytime I post something new. Oh, my God.